14. Operation Shakespeare. Dr. Naranya strode across the cold marble floor in black cashmere slacks and a gray silk shirt. He poured himself a mild scotch at the wet bar and took a sip through curiously full pink lips rimmed by salt and pepper stubble. Through amber eyes framed by heavy black glasses, the sixty-year-old man gazed down at the black clouds hugging his high-rise. His free hand petted the similar salt and pepper stubble on his large, round head before dropping to his side and bawling into a pensive fist. On a bank of monitors, he observed feeds from cameras below the clouds. They revealed the city grid, long laid out in rectilinear fashion. It was many years prior, when time still flowed in years, that he had been staring down at the real city streets, contemplating what was called taxicab geometry, as it was inspired by the Manhattan grid. It was then he had watched a single taxi drive a rectilinear path down consecutive city blocks in an elaborate angled loop that he imagined the taxi as a chess piece, a rook navigating the chessboard of the city, as opposed to how the crow flies, and like a taxicab, the rook could only move in straight lines and right angles. That night, he had dreamed of light particles, of photons arranged in square patterns like brilliant orange wallpaper, multiplying organically and geometrically. When he woke the next day, he set aside his experimental attempts to clone light. He had a servant purchase a navel orange for him from a street vendor, and by nightfall, he was well on his way toward implementing the process whereby he could graft light. He succeeded by multiplying light by itself, by squaring it. Within a week, he had invented a nano-lattice of light. One photon had become many. He called his invention sun juice. He did not know then that light had a shadow. As his technology illuminated and powered at first New York City and then the world, so did it usher in a cosmic darkness. Reality warped, pulled into the funnel of darkness, and by the time he realized he had invented in miniature the Big Bang, he realized the unfortunate consequence of inventing the end of time simultaneously. He sipped his scotch, 
rolling the mild alcohol slowly over his tongue and observed a monitor feeding him close-ups of the explosion in Brooklyn his people had engineered. Gasland had needed a spanking, but the Petroleum Club bombing was itself a detonator of a much larger shockwave he had in mind. His mind turned to the eye of the reality storm. If reality derailed, it would collapse back into the black hole from which it had been birthed. If, at the very least, he could stabilize the reality week that looped around itself over and over again, there was a chance the universe he so loved, like a daughter, could survive into eternity. Inside a giant glass terrarium that comprised one quarter of the tower floor, black hole butterflies fluttered like television noise. A cool, narrow beam from a small sunjuice flashlight, deliberately positioned by the doctor, excited the noise. As he moved the beam, the viscous butterflies spread like waves in black inky oil. Jules brought butterflies to him each week from Chinatown, when, also each week, he returned the latest Shakespearean folio won at auction. The latest folio was now centered inside the terrarium, and the black hole butterflies emerged from the open pages, exponentiating the essence of the volume. The doctor understood that once a person came in contact with Jack's organic black market ink, their lives would begin to transform as if an internal subconscious ghostwriter was penning their reality. Those who sought out the experience were known as parallel reality addicts. What the doctor suspected was not just that they became addicted to self-authoring a more exciting and rewarding, ultimately an extremely selfish reality, but that reality itself was an addiction of the fundamental, conscious nature of the universe. The universe was self-authoring, and for whatever reason, it was authoring itself through a persona not ubiquitously godly, but at once humanly tragic and Buddhistically post-death. The fundamental nature of the self-authoring universe was brilliant, elegant, eloquent, obtusely tragic, and ultimately unknown. Shakespearean.